Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Ready to get into the Word today? I'm ready to preach. I'm ready to preach. All right, listen, uh, we are starting a brand new sermon series today called My Problem with Prayer. (laughs) Somebody say amen. Yeah, I I thought there might be some people who might be offended at this title. I'll be like, oh, prayer, prayer is is, is simple. Prayer is simple. Prayer shouldn't be a problem. You You should love prayer. I'm human. And I didn't say prayer was complicated. I said it was hard. Simple things can be hard. You know how simple it is to be healthy? Eat right and exercise. That's hard. Not everything that is simple is easy. And so prayer is hard. And I don't want you to be discouraged by this. Why? Because anything worth anything is hard. My son the other day wanted to make some money, and so he decided that he would sell some of his old video games and stuff. But my wife doesn't do anything, you know, half whatever. And so she was like, set up the camera. You got to have the light. You got to take the right photo. Then you got to have the description. I got to teach you how to ship it. And we got to have a label. And my son was like, this is a lot of work. (laughs) And I'm like, of course, selling is a work. Being a salesman is a job. I looked at him. He seemed like disappointed. I was like, oh, I see what you wanted. You didn't want money. You want easy money. I said, let me tell you a lesson right here, right now, son. Easy money don't exist. We got two words for easy money. Scam or crime. But if it's legit or legal, making money's hard. It's not supposed to be easy. Anything worth anything is going to be difficult, and that should encourage you, because what I'm trying to tell you is that there is a prize on the other side of you figuring out this prayer thing. If you can figure out prayer, I I mean this and I'm not exaggerating, I I really mean this. I think if you can figure out prayer, you can figure out 90% of your problems in life. 90%. The other 10%, you're gonna need therapy. You're gonna need a nutritionist, you're gonna need a job. But 90% you can figure out with prayer. And so we handed out a survey. We asked y'all what were your top three problems with prayer. And the number one problem with prayer came back as this. You said, my problem with prayer is, drum roll please. That was a whack drum roll. I get distracted. Amen. Raise your hand if you responded. I guess. Here we go. A lot of us. Amen. Some of you are like, what you said? <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. I'm sorry. <laughs> if that's you, let me encourage you. You are not the only one with Pray DD. <laughs> took a while for you to get some of y'all. Uh, your pastor has it. We all have it. I think it's impossible to not face distractions in this life the way that life is structured. We're gonna face distract. We're gonna face people distractions. I know if you've been that parent who got up early in the morning to pray, only to be interrupted by the child knocking on your door, begging for food. Feed yourself. <laughs> Spending time with the Lord right now. I right, know you gotta stop doing. You gotta do your duties as a parent. Um, or if not, it's not the people distractions. It's the technological 
distractions. If it's not a child knocking on your phone, it's a notification. A knocking on your door, it's a notification pinging on your phone. They come in all the time, nonstop. But if we want to be really honest, we don't need people or technology to be distracted. I can get distracted all by myself. I mean, I have a good imagination. And my imagination is great when it comes to sermon prep and Bible reading. I put myself in the story. I imagine the smells and the people and the looks. And it's great. But sometimes in prayer, my imagination is a double-edged sword. The other day I was praying and I was like, Lord, I love you so much, Lord. Your love is out of this world. It's out of this world. It's out of Earth and Mars and Neptune and Pluto. Wait, is Pluto even a planet anymore? I don't know, but Justice took a great picture with Pluto on the Disney cruise. It was really good. Pluto's not a planet. Saturn's a planet. I used to drive a Saturn. Whatever happened to Saturn? Wait, what was that guy? <laughs> what am I talking about? Right? And then five minutes in, you're like astrology, you know, or Martian, you're Googling aliens, you don't know what's going on. You started praying. And now you ended up somewhere else. Let me encourage you, you're not the only one. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 through 37. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with them, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Now he took Peter, James, and John. I need you to know these are his prayer warriors. Wow. These are his ride or dies, all right? If it was our staff, we would say, this is your Diane and your Pastor Alana. You took them with you to pray. And the people who you know press in, and my mama, she's like the greatest prayer warrior ever. And it, it, this is like the, for him, like the people who really know how to press in to God's presence. These are the ones he took. Verse 38, then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Verse 39, going a little further, he fell to his face and ground and prayed. My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Get not as I will, but as you will. Verse 40, then he returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked. Even the disciples got distracted in prayer. The ones who saw miracles, the ones who walked on water, the ones who fed the 5,000 and the 3,000 respectively got distracted. And then in verse 41, Jesus says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, tone is everything. How many people know that's why you can't text people emotionally charged messages? Because if you don't have the tone behind the text, you could be saying something that you want to encourage them and they could come off as angry. And I think because we, we got this in text message form and not voice message form, we think that Jesus is rebuking the disciples. But common to common, contrary to common interpretation, this is not a rebuke, this is a reality. Jesus is not condemning the disciples. He's having compassion on the disciples. He's saying, I know you wanted to, but your body, but your mind, I get it. It's weak. If you think about the context, what's he doing right now? He's having to pray right before he's going to the cross. He's feeling the weight of anxiety on himself. He's not mad at the disciples. He's empathizing. He's going, I know because I'm wrestling with my flesh too. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is why Jesus is the perfect mediator for us between us and the Father, because he's experienced all things that humans have experienced. So when you get distracted in prayer, Jesus goes, I know what that's like. Yeah. I was human. I was there. This is my point. Listen, distraction is normal, so don't be embarrassed by it. Embrace it. What do you mean embrace it? Do you think 
Father God was mad at Jesus when Jesus was praying things like, I'm sorrowful to the point of death. May this cup be taken from me. No, I think he was pleased with Jesus in the fact that Jesus was fighting the flesh. He was pushing back on it. That's powerful. He was pleased. Listen, there's a guy that comes to my house and he cuts the grass two to three times a month now that it's raining a lot. I don't get mad when the grass grows back. I'm just glad that he's willing to put in the fight. Your thoughts and your distractions are like weeds. They're going to keep coming and they're going to keep coming. But when you pull it out and when you put it to the side and when you shut it down, I think God is in the back going, way to go. I appreciate the way you push through that. If you fight with your distractions for 30 minutes, that's a form of worship to God. I would say this. It's called paying attention for a reason because there's worth and value and sacrifice to focus. And when you fight to put your focus on God, that is a form of worship. So embrace it. If at the end of 30 minutes you go, man, I don't even know if God was pleased with that. For 30 minutes, I was just trying to think about aliens. God's like, what that means is for 30 minutes, you chose me. Over and over and over and over again. That's powerful. So if we're going to fight with distractions in prayer, the first thing we have to answer is, you know, why pray? And I, and I think to fight distractions, you have to start with why. Because I don't want to assume that everybody in the room today even wants to pray or even has a desire to pray. And so maybe you just started coming to church. Maybe you used to go when you were a kid. It's been decades since you've come. And, and prayer, you tried it and it didn't work. And so I think we need to address why start with prayer. Because anytime you fight for anything, the why is always the motivation. you got to have a purpose. And we're lucky that in this story, Jesus gives us one. Verse 41. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Now, I need you to not think about temptation as giving into sin or else it's going to mess up what I think what God is really trying to say here. You have to think of temptation as the feeding of desire. The feeding of desire. That's what temptation is. Good or bad. Now, the world 24-7 is trying to feed your desires. You know that, right? Anybody see that Jimmy John's commercial? I was, I was at home. I was watching a Jimmy John's commercial with Danny DeVito. And it's like, and like they're cutting the meat up. And then they take one of them slow bites. This is Jimmy John's on the street from my house. I don't really like sandwiches. I'm going to Jimmy John's for lunch. What happened? It fed my desire. I was driving down the road the other day. I saw a billboard, Visit Montana. There was a cowboy. And he looked cool. And he looked like a man's man. I was like, I want to be a man's man. <laughs> I started talking to my family. What y'all want to do for sabbatical? Y'all want to go to Montana? They're like, Montana? <laughs> I didn't tell them I saw a billboard. That's why every advertisement you see is sexualized. What, what does a man with his shirt off and a woman in lingerie got to do with life insurance? <laughs> How is that even connected? It's just the company trying to feed your desire to get you to a desired outcome. And here's the problem. We don't have any of those when it comes to our desire for God. There are no worship commercials. You don't ever watch TV and then all of a sudden we interrupt your regular broadcast for a praise break. You know, you just never, you never see, you never see that. You don't drive down the road and see Bible billboards, at least ones that aren't condemning. You, you never see, you never turn on the TV and see guys and girls in their bathing suits talking about, I see you at church. You never see. 
Maybe we should. I don't know. Maybe we'll get more people coming. You, you never see it. Here's my point. Here's my point. Prayer is the only place that feeds your desire for God. You won't get it in TV, you won't get it in advertisements, and so if you don't pray, you won't have any desire for the Lord. Someone says, well, what about church? Doesn't church feed on desire? Yeah, but this is only on Sunday. People don't lose faith on Sunday. They find faith on Sunday. They lose faith Monday through Saturday. And so if you don't pray Monday through Saturday, your desire for God and the things of God will wane. And so let me help you today. Listen, listen, the Bible says, James 4, 7, therefore give in to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Did you see that? The best way to not give in to the devil is to give in to God. When your desire for the Lord is so overwhelming, your desire for other things, bad things, negative things, begins to decrease. To every addict, to every person who is in debt, to anyone thinking about stepping out on your spouse or picking up that one night stand, when God is all you need, it's amazing how little you want. Put it on the slide. That's the slide that they take a picture of and write it down. And put it. When God is all you need, it's amazing how little you want. On the contrary, listen to me, because I've had so many friends, people I've pastored, who at one point in their life have walked away from the faith. And when I ask what happened, I will tell you this, nobody walks away from the faith without first walking away from prayer. If you pray daily, you will always have your faith. Did you hear me? Somebody say amen. All right, now I'm gonna help you though. So that's, that's the why we pray. We pray because it's the only place in life where our desires for God are filled. And when our desires for God are good, our desires for other things, the bad things, are, that begins to decrease. Things that harm us or hurt us. All right, here's the first step now after starting with why. If you wanna fight distractions, you have to recognize that prayer isn't the only place you get distracted. <laughs> I really need to hit this. We need to talk about this because some people are like, well, you know, it's just every time I go into my prayer room, I get distracted. I always get distracted. Prayer is just prayer. Prayer is tough. Every time I go into my prayer room, stop. Your prayer room is not the only room you get distracted in. How are you in the classroom? You doing good in Algebra 3? You focused? You leaning in? You don't get distracted? How are you in the restroom? Don't nobody take 30 minutes to do their business in the restroom. You know what happened. You know what happened. You got distracted. Don't even get, somebody else needs to use it. Get out of there. How are you in the dining room? When it's you and your family at the table trying to spend quality time with you, but your phone keeps ringing. I'm going to get real personal. You don't need to say amen. You can say ouch. Or you can just stay quiet. Well, no, it's you. How are you in the bedroom? You ever get distracted? I move on. <laughs> Here's my point. You might not have a prayer problem. You might have an attention problem. You just might have an attention problem. We are in a world that is fighting for our attention and it has created a battlefield in our minds. And so, without blaming the world though, I want to begin to take ownership. I think there are three things that we do, listen, that we need to stop doing that is literally shortening our attention spans. And this is part biblical and also part super practical and scientific and backed up by 
by doctors. And so I'm going to give you three things. Listen, if you want to increase your attention, I'm not just talking about in prayer. I'm talking about at work. I'm talking about with your kids, attention in your creative line, attention in your business, focus with, with what, the things that matter. If you want to increase your focus, three things you need to stop doing right now. And I'm going to give them to you because they affect us. I've started implementing these in my own life and it has been such a game changer for me. Here's the first one. It's going to sound weird. I'll explain it in a moment. You need to stop milkshake multitasking. I didn't create this term, and it's not a drink. This is a term coined by the renowned neuroscientist, Dr. Carolyn Leaf, who wrote a great book called Turn On Your Brain. I suggest you read it, faith-based, science-based. And she says this, every time we listen to an audiobook while doing dishes, every time we're checking the emails while spending time with the family, every time we do schoolwork while watching TV, every time we're texting while driving, it puts our brain in a blender and our brain releases certain chemicals that do not allow it to think at a deep level, only a shallow level, because when you're multitasking, you're not actually doing two things at once, you're actually going in between two things. And so in order to go in between two things, your brain has to stay at a shallow level so that it can jump back and forth. You know, even computers work like that. When your computer's little, little volleyball of death on the computer, you know what it's doing? You gave it too many things to do at one time. And so it lost its focus. It couldn't work on it. It goes back and forth real quickly. And the consequences of that are this. Number one, we're so used to doing two things at one time. We've trained our brain that when we sit down to pray, our brain goes, okay, prayer and what else? So we can't just pray because we're praying and, and our brain is actively looking for something else to do because we've conditioned it to operate like that. The second thing it does is because we're so used to going back and forth, we're used to living at a certain level of stimulation so that when we only have one thing, here's the the kicker, we can't really enjoy the present moment because we're looking for the next one. Here's what the Bible says, Psalms 86, verse 11, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart, not multitasking heart. Not a split up heart, not an unfocused heart, that I may fear your name. My son the other day was watching TV while playing video games. And I told him, I said, I don't think you should do that. I'm going to be real. I told him, don't do that. (laughs) I'm not that kind of parent. I'm that kind of parent. (laughs) Don't do that. I don't give them choices. They're too young for choices. I make their choices. And so, don't do that. That's a bad choice. Don't do that. He said, how come? I had just been reading Dr. Carolyn Lee's book, and one of the studies showed that children who play video games and watch TV at the same time, they tracked them throughout life and disproportionately wrestled with anxiety and depression more than those who didn't. Because of the milkshake multitasking, they couldn't enjoy the moment. So I explained to him, I go, it's, it's, I explained the whole thing, and you can't enjoy the moment. And then my son looked after me, it was Zane, he looked at me, he goes, I thought he would be mad. He was, they don't do it anymore now. I, and they go, he said, you know, I know what you mean, dad. I said, what do you mean? He said, because when we were on vacation on the cruise and we got to the island, I looked at the beach and I looked at Mickey and I looked at the sun and I looked at the palm trees and I looked at the water and I thought, wow, how beautiful. He goes, and the next thing I thought was, what's next? This is a nine-year-old who was able to identify it in himself. And he goes, and I couldn't appreciate just the view. How many of us have been there? I'm telling you, prayer is the best view you will ever get in life. 
but you will not be able to appreciate it if you have trained your brain to always move on to the next thing. So let me help you. How are we going to get better at this? We're going to practice. This is going to change your life. Practice doing one thing at one time. Like when you eat, I dare you. I dare you. Double dog dare you. Just eat. Try it. When y'all go out to eat after church today, put the phones in the pockets, I dare you. Just eat. Your brain's going to be like, eat, eat. It's not going to work. You're not going to know what's going on. When you stop at a stoplight. I dare you. Just stop. Don't check the scores. Don't check your email. Just stop. You clap. That's a good word. Is it it better biblical enough for you? It's going to help you. I promise you. Here's the other reason it messes up our brains. Listen, it's something called scroll addiction. Yeah, I think you already know. I think you already know. Scroll addiction. Have you ever noticed that digital content is getting shorter and shorter and shorter? There's a reason why. You can scroll, 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 and an hour passed by, and you didn't even know it. Because the length of the content, are you ready? It literally shut off your brain. So you don't realize that they, they did a survey on TikTok. They said, how long should a video be when you publish it? And the survey came back, and people on TikTok said, videos longer than a minute stress me out. You know why? Because a minute in one piece of content too long brings you back into reality. So it's got to be short enough that you don't have to think about your life. This is real. Which is, by the way, just like opioids. Just like alcohol. Just like the one night stand. We take it to distract us from the pain in our life. This is real. And then we try to pray, and we're like, oh, social media is such a distraction. Social media is such a distraction. I would pray with social media distraction. Listen, put it on the screen. You can't use social media as a distraction and then complain later that it's a distraction. That's why you used it. So that you could be distracted from your issues and distracted from your problems. And I am not anti-social media. Well, maybe I am a little bit. This is not an anti-social media message. Maybe I'll preach one someday. I, I, I don't think it's evil by itself. I, I can see purposes for it. I can see it as a tool. I can see people using it for a good cause. I just see more people being used by it. 1 Corinthians 6.12. You say, I am allowed to do anything. Why do we always make it a sin thing? Like, if it's not a sin, then I'm going to do it. There's another question you can ask. But not everything is good for you. Not everything is sin, and not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, here's where I come in strong on the social media or any scrolling. I must not become a slave to anything. I must not become a slave to anything. So you ready? The first one was do one thing at one time. Here's the thing going to help you. Practice being bored. The next time you feel bored, sit. (laughs) Sit in it. Why? Because the boredom is going to help you deal with the issue you've been distracting yourself from. 
When you get bored, you're going to things inside of you that you've been medicating are going to come out and then you deal with it. Here's the last one. Is this helping anybody? So I'll be like, Pastor needs to go back on sabbatical right now. We have a problem with over accessibility. I can call you, text you, email you, WhatsApp you, ping you, tag you, DM you. Did I forget any? There's probably 10 more ways I can get a hold of you. Anybody at any time can get a hold of you. That's a problem. Look at the way Jesus led his life. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. You know why he got up early in the morning? Because the disciples were asleep. And he knew, I got to get up before the kids get up. Because they're going to start asking me questions, and I just, and this, who's going to be the most important? I'm just trying to spend time with love. I'm just trying to spend time with the Lord. I'm just trying to spend time with my Father God. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to practice getting away. Practice getting away. Shut off your phone. Get alone. Set aside time. Amen? All right, can I give you even more like practical things that I've learned? I don't have slides for these. I just literally wrote a little thing in my note, and I was like, bonus points. Y'all want some bonus points? All right, this is things that I've learned to not get distracted. Some bonus stuff. Watch your posture. What do I mean? I'm not talking about spiritual posture. I'm like, maybe lying in bed is not the best place to pray. Right. <laughs> you wake up, the alarm goes off. Mm, yeah, Lord. You're so, so good, God. Oh, thank you for this pillow, Lord. Soft like your love. It's not, I'm just, I, get up. Get up. Let me give you another thing. Maybe open your eyes as you pray. A lot of times when we close our eyes, we get it. Oh. Trying to distract me right now. I see it. When we close our eyes, we get focused on our, our inner thoughts and our inner world. A lot of times opening our eyes helps. Walk around. Get the blood moving. Get mo I like to walk when I pray. Here's one of the biggest. Ready? Don't go to your phone in the morning until you pray. That's good. That's good. Come on. You know why? Because there's text messages waiting for you. There's business waiting for you. There's a tragedy that happened in another country waiting for you. So if you go to this before you go to prayer, this will become the thing that feeds the distractions for prayer. If you heard nothing else, like this whole sermon, but just that, your prayer time would go tenfold. Before you go to this, pray first. Pray, pray first. Th then the phone. And you're going to spare your mind from a lot of those distractions. Two more. Pray out loud. Sometimes it helps to actually say the words. Okay? And then some people actually work better when they write their prayers out. Because it keeps a train of thought. So that's just some practical. So let me give you the last two points of my sermon here. Two major points. Um, another reason why we get distracted, and it's the truth, and you got to accept this. We have an enemy. We have an enemy. He goes by a lot of names. Devil, Satan, Lucifer. Um, he's just, he's real. I was trying to tell my kids that uh, the other day because they were watching some scary movies, and they were like, is the devil real? I was like, he's real. God's realer. I think there are two 
faults that we can fall into when we begin to talk about spiritual warfare and we begin to talk about the demonic and dark things like that, I think the first mistake that we can make is thinking that they don't exist. Because then you will always try to solve spiritual problems with natural solutions. I think the other problem we face when we hear of the demonic and dark, listen, is we believe and we're afraid. And there needs to be this reality where we understand and we trust in God. And we know that the enemy's been defeated. But we do have an enemy. And it's obvious, isn't it? It's so obvious to me when I start to pray because it isn't until I pray that some of the craziest, most inappropriate, most doubt-filled thoughts enter my mind. Can I get an amen? amen? I totally believed God existed until I started praying. Then I start praying, and all of a sudden the enemy's like, nobody's listening. He's not even real. There's nobody on the other side of this phone call. And you're like, maybe I shouldn't pray. (laughs) Huh? It wasn't until I started praying that I started to imagine prom night 20 years ago. I hadn't thought about that night in years. All of a sudden, images of poor choices begin to flood my mind again. It wasn't until I prayed that I started to worry about my cough. I had this cough all week. Now I start praying and all of a sudden I'm like, do I have pneumonia? Is this the next form of COVID? I'm on WebMD now, all distracted, (laughs) fearful for my life. Why? Because this is how the enemy fights. Whatever you see on TV, Hollywood, that is one form of spiritual warfare, but it's not the most common form when it comes to believers. People think of possession, demonic possession. That's real, but nobody who believes in Christ could ever be possessed by a devil because that house is already occupied. So when we talk about warfare, it's not being possessed, it's being oppressed. It's, I'm gonna show you how he does it. First Chronicles 21.1. Satan was against Israel and he, Satan, planted the thought in David to count the people of Israel. This was an evil thought because he was trying to get David to trust more in his army than in God. But look how the devil fought against Israel. He hated Israel, so his weapon was to plant a thought. The enemy, when he wars against believers, his primary form of attack is to plant thoughts in our mind that distract us from worship and that distract us from prayer, especially prayer, because the enemy would rather you do anything than pray. When you begin to pray, this is a disclaimer, When you begin to pray, hell has put you on their radar because the devil can handle anything and anyone except prayer and Father God. When my sons fight, I'm in the office. I work from home uh, most days. And when I hear my sons fighting in another room, I am multitasking. (laughs) I am working on my message and making sure nobody dies. And I'll hear them wrestle, I'll hear them push, I'll hear things break, and the fight always ends at the same point. It's not a point in time, it ends when the sentence is spoken, it's the same sentence that is spoken every single time they want the fight to end. I'm gonna tell dad! And then boom, the fight is over. Now I don't know who the devil is in that fight, (laughs) 
but I will use that fight as a metaphor. I think the devil would rather you push him, wrestle him, argue with him, create a strategy, bulk up, sweep him, kick him. He'd rather you focus on him, anything other than call on dad. Because when you call on dad, the devil's got to run. figure out all the natural solutions you can. I'd rather you read the books and create the the 21-step process and plan. Anything but pray, because I can handle your strategies, but I can't handle the Father. Are you with me? This is why he does not want you to pray, and so he will plant thoughts, and here's what we do when the thoughts come. We have to realize that some thoughts are legit, but some thoughts are lies. Some thought, if you're in the middle of prayer and you're like, oh snap, I'm running out of milk. <laughs> That's legit. <laughs> so here's what you do. I'm giving you like stuff to like, ready? Pray with a notepad to the side so that when that legit thought comes in, you go, okay, pick up milk. Yeah. And then go back to prayer. The milk will be waiting for you when you get out. Are you with me? Yeah. That's a legit thought. Here's a lie. He's not listening. That's a lie. Here's a legit thought. I got to change the oil in my car. Write that down. That's legit. You got to change the oil. Engine's going to blow. Here's, here's a lie. You think you're good enough to pray? You can't even remember to change your oil. You expect God to change you? And you did this last week and you did that yesterday? Come on. God doesn't hear the prayers of sinners. Come on now. Back up. He's not, prayer's not going to work for you. Is that legit or is that a lie? That's a lie. Ball face lie. You got to do what Paul said, 2 Corinthians. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Well, how do I do that? I want to get more practical, Pastor JJ. How do I do that? Well, Jesus did it one time. You know, even Jesus had to practice this? Look it. But Peter took Jesus aside one day and began to reprimand him for saying such things. What was he saying? He was saying, I'm going to die, y'all. I'm going to die. I'm going to die, but I'm going to resurrect three days later, but I'm going to die. Peter said, Lord, I would never die. We need you here on earth. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. And then Jesus looked at Peter. Now, Peter is trying to distract Jesus from his purpose. And it's now Jesus gives us the formula to battle the enemy when it comes to distraction. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Can you leave this verse on the screen for a moment and even below me for a moment? Because here's the formula. Here's the first thing you got to do when you feel like the enemy's planting thoughts in your mind. Get away from me, Satan. It's called rebuking the enemy in the name of Jesus. It's standing in the authority that you have in Christ and the power of the shed blood of Christ to say, devil, you have no power over my mind. You have no power over my heart. I had to do this a couple weeks ago. Uh, uh, I was getting ready for something and it was nighttime and it was just an onslaught on my mind. Just attack after attack. I looked over my wife. She's like, are you okay? Because she could feel when I'm under, you know, just going through things. And I was like, yeah, I don't know what to do. She looked over me and goes, maybe you just need to go to the office. I don't know if that was her way to get more sleep because I was keeping her up. She goes, she told me, Shirley, she goes, I think you just need to go pray this out. And it was late and I had to get up early the next day. 
probably 11 o'clock already. I had to get up early the next day, close to 12. And I said, babe, I think that's the only way I'm going to get through this. And I got up out of bed and I went into my office. And the very first thing I said, devil, you have no place in my mind, in my heart, in my soul. I declare the blood of Christ over my, my life right now. I replace every lie with the truth. I know who I am in Christ Jesus. I know who my God is. I know the reality of his presence. And it was amazing how he had to flee when I started to call on dad. Don't be afraid to call on dad. And here's the second thing he did. Look, you're looking at this from a human point of view, not from God's. You know how the Bible says that every time the devil tries to hurt you, he actually ends up helping you because he builds patience in you and endurance in you. This is one of the things that if he was smart, he'd stop doing. When the enemy tries to distract you, here's what you got to do. Look at that distraction from God's point of view and not man's point of view. Can I give you an example? So let's say you get in prayer and you're like, you're not worthy. Like you slept with this person two days ago and you go come here in God's presence like it's all good. Like you're a sinner. You're not, you don't deserve to be in God's presence. You can't pray. When the enemy gives you that, you go, you know what? From man's point of view, I am. But from God's point of view, all he sees is the righteousness of Christ over my life. And I enter into the throne room of grace, not based on my righteousness, but on his righteousness. Not on my imperfections, but on his perfections. When the enemy tries to distract you with thoughts of your children, what are they out doing right now? What did they do last night? You gonna pray? You gotta go out there and make sure your son's all right. You go, you know what, devil? That's it. I appreciate that thought. Father God, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you guard my son, that you guard my daughter, that your angels would surround them, that your power would be in them, that you would protect them, Lord. Help them to remember that they grew up in church. Help them to remember that they're never alone. I pray that you bring them back, Lord God. in your hand and you're surrounded when the enemy tries to make you afraid of dying or passing away you know what you're right I will pass away one day but when that day comes the gates of heaven will open and I'm going to step into glory and I'm going to see from man's point of view it looks like I'm dying but from God's point of view I'm stepping into new life I'm stepping into a new home I, I, I appreciate you reminding me devil now let me give you God's point of view Everybody stand, everybody stand, everybody stand. My last, my last point, I got a minute to hit it, and I'm gonna try and hit it as fast as I can. Here's the last thing, the reason why we don't pray. Here's the reason why we don't, we are distracted when we pray, because we keep thinking about what we have to do after prayer. And I know this sounds real natural, but I'm gonna give you the spiritual root of this. Okay, really quickly, Luke 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was, say that word with me, distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked him, Lord, don't you care that my sister left me to do the work myself? Go tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary was focused on Jesus, on being with Jesus. Martha was distracted by working for Jesus. She 
it is good. Working for Jesus is good. She, she had to cook the food because she loved people. Loving people is good. She had to clean the house because she trusted that a clean house is going to help Jesus do what he needed to do. Clean house is good. She probably feared her reputation being thrown in the mud if people came into her house and there was no food and the house was dirty. You know what I'm talking about? And so she's like, I got to do that. All those things are good. Listen to me. They're just not Jesus. They're just not Jesus. You know what your distractions do for you? It wasn't just Jesus speaking to Martha. It was her distractions. She was paying attention. Listen, distractions tell us what we love and trust and fear. And so I told you that we get distracted when we pray because we keep thinking about what we're supposed to do after. But now let me give you the spiritual root of that. We get distracted when we pray. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just trying to help. Listen, because there's something we love more than God, trust more than God, fear more than God. When we're, when we're in prayer, I'll tell you how, how it happened to me and then I'll pray for you. And we'll just sabbatical. Five weeks I'm not preaching. Five weeks I'm not dealing with staff members. Dealing is a tough word, but some of them, you know. Um, not having to worry about building stuff. That's the, those are like the only things I pray about. Lord, help me with this message this Sunday. God, I pray for this person who, who's, who's you know, going through a situation. I pray for this person that's going through this relationship thing and, and, and this leader and that. And, and then for five weeks, I tried to pray. And I remember going away to the woods for three days in a cabin. And I got into prayer and I had no sermon to preach. I had no staff member to lead. I had no vision to cast. I had no building to... And I literally had no idea what to say to God. And it convicted me so much. Because I realized that whenever I got into prayer, I was always thinking about something else other than Jesus. And when Jesus was the only one that I had to focus on as the motivation for my prayer, this is hard for me to say, Jesus wasn't enough to maintain my focus. So what did I do? What I want to ask all of us to do in just a second. I repented. Lord, forgive me for allowing, for loving working for you to be more important than being with you. And here's my prayer. And I can't say that I love being with you more than I love working for you. And that hurts to say, but I want to love being with you more than I love working for you. I repent. I repent. I want to just be able to sit at your feet like Mary and not want a thing, not ask for a thing, not need a thing, not build a project, launch a campus, preach a sermon. Just you be enough for me. Just who you are, Jesus. If you get distracted by the expansion plans of your business while you're praying consistently, day after day, week after week, then you need to get on your knees. Lord, I repent that money, that my business has become more important, that I love it more, trust it more, and fear it more than you. I I want to love you more, trust you more, fear you more than those things, Lord. I'm asking you, Jesus, help me. Put you in the right place in my life because I want to. Every hip out of every eye closed. If you're in this room, 
listen, I want to invite you. If you felt the Holy Spirit just convicting you there in that moment, it's okay. It's, it's not over. You're not done. We don't just repent when we give our lives to Christ. We, we got to repent whenever the Holy Spirit convicts us of going the wrong way. If you're in this room today and something in there, something in your life that always pulls your distraction, it could be a good thing. I got to go to the gym. I got to, what do you trust more in physical fitness and spiritual health? Repent today. Repent today. Find those things, whatever they are in your life. And I'm going to give you 30 seconds just to tell the Lord, Lord, I repent for loving this more, for trusting this more, for fearing this more. And in all honesty, I can't even say I love you more, trust you more, fear you more. But what I will say in my repentance is that I want to love you more, help me trust you more, help me fear you more. Jesus. Go ahead. I'm going to give you time to talk because this is your moment. So when the Holy Spirit ministers to you now, this is your moment. right east campus right now that holy spirit speaking to you you need to repent come back to the first love sorry that's taken so much of my energy thought process if you never do another thing god you're enough you're enough amen and that same spirit if you're in this place today and you don't have a relationship with jesus you're far from god someone invited you to church you don't come regularly but you're starting to think this might be something you want to include in your everyday life a relationship with God. I want you to know Jesus died so that he can be the number one thing in your life. Prayer, what is prayer? It's relationship with God. Where men have failed you and women have failed you. Parents have failed you. Father God never fails us. Prayer is coming back into a relationship with God. If you want that kind of a relationship with your father today, your heavenly father, then on the count of three, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you a moment of privacy to just lift up your right hand and say, I'm ready to step into that relationship with Father God. Over at East, online, and here in the Fern Park building. On the count of three, I, I want a relationship. And I know prayer will be how I express that. One, two, three, all over this building, if you want that relationship with the Father and you, and you haven't had it. I see that hand. Congratulations. Thank you for being bold and courageous. You can put your hand down. Hey, whether you raise your hand or not, over at East, here at Fern Park, even online, would everybody join me and them, those who raise their hand in this prayer? Let's all pray this prayer out loud. Father God, thank you. Father God, I'm coming back to you. So many other things in life have been first place. But today, I vacate those idols. And I invite you to take that place. I don't love you the most now, but I want to and I will. Forgive me for my past. Take me into my future. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. I want to put our hands together for all those that made a decision for Christ. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.